Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. This week's parasha, 39, and that's numbers 19-1 through 22-1. You'll find that on page 171 of your complete Jewish Bible. Even though the complete Jewish Bible has lots of comments in there that we don't agree with, we continue to read it. We've stumbled across a lot of them that uh, left us pretty dumbfounded because they actually uh, reiterate the uh, teachings of the main main churches that are around and doesn't really apply to actual scripture. So I don't can't give you an example right offhand, but I did run across some in the past, or we have, and we just want to make you aware that... Uh, even though the complete Jewish Bible is the best that we've found in, in many years, it does have comments in there that might not ought to be in there. So I will read, uh, start with Numbers 19. Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, This is the regulation from the Torah which Adonai has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a young red female cow without fault or defect, and which has never bore a yoke. You are to give it to Eleazar the Cohen. It is to be brought outside the camp and slaughtered in front of him. Eleazar the Cohen is to take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle this blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. The heifer is to be burnt to ashes before his eyes. Its skin, meat, blood, and dung is to be burnt to ashes. The corn is to take cedar, wood, hyssop, and scarlet yarn and throw them onto the heifer as it is burning up. Then the corn is to wash his clothes and himself in water, after which he may re-enter the camp but the Kohen will remain unclean until evening. The person who burned up the heifer is to wash his clothes and himself in water, but he will remain unclean until evening. A man who is clean is to collect the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. They are to be kept for the community of the people of Israel to water for purification for, from sin. The one who collected the ashes of the heifer is to wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. For the people of Israel and for the foreigners staying with them, this will remain a permanent regulation. Anyone who touches a corpse, no matter whose dead body it is, will be unclean for seven days. He must purify himself with these ashes on the third and seventh days, then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself the third and seventh days, he will not be clean. Anyone who touches a corpse, no matter whose dead body it is, and does not purify himself, has defiled the tabernacle of Adonai. That person will be cut off from Israel. 
because the water for purification was not sprinkled on him. He will be unclean. His uncleanliness is still on him. And my comment on that is it's just like the charcoal we still use today. We get our charcoal now mostly from coconut uh, charcoal, but it is used for poison. If you're poisoned and you consume charcoal, it will clean your innards. This came to my light some time ago when we had uh, what we thought was a poisoning of one of our pets. And we were told to administer charcoal orally and it would clean their innards out. So we always keep charcoal on hand. And I will read on the next paragraph. This is the law when a person dies in a tent. Everyone who enters the tent and everything in the tent will be unclean for seven days. Every open container without a cover closely attached is unclean. Also, whoever is in an open field and touches a corpse, whether of someone killed by a weapon or of someone who died naturally, or the bone of a person or a grave will be unclean for seven days. For the unclean person, they are to take some of the ashes of the animal burned up as a purification from sin and add them to fresh water in a container. A clean person is to take a bunch of hyssop leaves, dip it in water and sprinkle it on the tent, on all the containers, on the people who were there and on the person who touched the bone or the person who killed or the one who died naturally or the grave. The clean person will sprinkle the unclean person on the third and seventh days. On the seventh day, he will purify him. Then he will wash his clothes and himself in water, and he will be clean at evening. The person who remains unclean and does not purify himself will be cut off from the community because he has defiled the sanctuary of Adonai. The water for purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. This is to be a permanent regulation for them. The person who sprinkles the water for purification is to wash his clothes. Whoever touches the water for purification will be unclean until evening. Anything the unclean person touches will be unclean, and anyone who touches him will be unclean until evening. The people of Israel, the whole community, entered the Dizan Desert in the first month, and they stayed in Kadesh. There Miriam died, and there she was buried. Because the community had no water, they assembled themselves against Moses and Aaron. The people quarreled with Moses and said, We wish we had died when our brothers died before Adonai. Why did you bring Adonai's community into this desert? To die there, we and our livestock? Why did you make us leave Egypt? To bring us to this terrible place without seed, figs, grapevines, pomegranates, or even water to drink. Moses and Aaron left the assembly, went to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and fell on their faces. And the glory of Adonai appeared to them. Adonai said to Moses, Take the staff, assemble the community, you and Aaron, your brother. And before their eyes, tell the rock to produce its water. You will bring them water out of the rock and thus enable the community and their livestock to drink. 
Moses took the staff from the presence of Adonai, as he had ordered him. But after Moses and Aaron had assembled the community in front of the rock, he said to them, Listen here, you rebels. Are we supposed to bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and hit the rock twice with his staff, and water flowed out in abundance, and the community and their livestock drank. But Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me, so as to cause me to be regarded as holy by the people of Israel, you will not bring this community into the land I have given them. This is Meribah Spring, Disputation Spring, where the people of Israel disputed with Adonai, and he was caused to be regarded as holy by them. Moses sent messengers from Kadesh to the king of Edom. This is what your brother Israel says. You know all the troubles we have gone through, that our ancestors went down into Egypt. We lived in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians treated us and our ancestors badly. But when we cried out to Adonai, he heard us, sent an angel, and brought us out of Egypt. Now here we are in Kadesh, a city at the edge of your territory. Please let us pass through your land. We will not go through fields or vineyards, and we won't drink any water from the wells. We will go along the king's highway, not turning aside either to the right or the left until we have left your territory. But Edom answered, You are not to pass through my land. If you do, I will come out against you with the sword. The people of Israel replied, We will keep to the highway. If we do drink the water, either we or our livestock, we will pay for it. Just let us pass through on foot. It's nothing. But he said, You are not to pass through. And Edom came out against them with many people and much force. Thus Edom refused to allow Israel passage through its territory. So Israel turned away. They have traveled on from Kadesh, and the people of Israel, the whole community, arrived at Mount Hor. At Mount Hor, by the border of the land of Edom, Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, Aaron is about to be gathered to his people, because he is not to enter the land I have given to the people of Israel. Inasmuch as you rebelled against what I said at Mount Meribah Springs, excuse me, at Meribah Springs, take Aaron, Eleazar, his son, bring them up to Mount Hor, remove the garments from Aaron, and put them on Eleazar, his son. Aaron will be gathered to his people. He will die there. Moses did as Adam and I had ordered. They went up onto Mount Hor before the eyes of the whole community. Moses removed the garments from Aaron and put them on Eleazar, his son. And Aaron died there on the top of the mountain. Then Moses and Eleazar came down the mountain. When the entire community saw that Aaron was dead, they mourned Aaron 30 days, the whole house of Israel. Then the king of Arad, a Canaanite who lived in the Negriff, 
heard that Israel was approaching by the way of Ataram. So he attacked Israel and took some of them captive. Israel made a vow to Adonai. If you will hand this people over to me, I will completely destroy their cities. Adonai listened to what Israel said and handed over the king Nenonim. So they completely destroyed them and their cities and named the place Homa, which means complete destruction. Then they traveled from Mount Hor on the road toward the Sea of Sop in order to go around the land of Edom. But the people's tempers grew short because of the detour. The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to die in the desert? There's no real food. There's no water. And we're sick of this miserable stuff we're eating. In response, Adonai sent poisonous snakes among the people. They bit the people, and many of Israel's people died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned by speaking against Adonai and against you. Pray to Adonai that he rid us of these snakes. And Moses prayed for the people. And Adonai answered Moses, Make a poisonous snake and put it on a pole. Then anyone who has been bitten, when anyone who has been bitten sees it, he will live. Moses made a bronze snake, a bronze snake, and put it on a pole. If a snake had bitten someone, then when they looked toward the bronze snake, they stayed alive. The people of Israel traveled on and camped at Obat. From Obat they traveled and camped at Ayahabaram in the desert, fronting Moab on the east. From there they traveled and camped at Vadi Zered. From there they traveled and camped on the other side of the Arnon, in the desert. This river comes out of the territory of the Amorite. For the Arnon is the boundary between Moab and the Amorite. This is why it says in the book of the wars of Adonai, Vahe at Asufa, the Vadi of Arnon, and the slope of the Vadis, extending as far as the site of Ar, which lie next to the territory of Moab. From there, they went to Beir, which means well. That is the well about which Adonai said to Moses, Assemble the people and I will give them water. Then Israel sang this song, Spring up, O well, sing to the well, Sunk by the princess dug by the people's leaders with the scepter with their staffs. From the desert they went to Mananta, and from Mananta to Achneli, from Achneli to Ammat, and from Bamat to the valley of the plain of Moab at the start of the Pisgah range where it overlooks the desert. Israel sent messengers to Sichon, king of the Amorites, with this message. Let me pass through your land. We won't turn aside into fields or vineyards, and we won't drink any water from the wells. We will go along the king's highway until we have left your territory. But Sichon would not allow Israel to pass through his territory. Instead, 
Sikon mustered all the people and went out into the desert to fight Israel. On reaching Dechart, he fought Israel. Israel defeated him by force of arms and took control of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok River, but only as far as the people of Arnon, Amon, excuse me, because their territory, the territory of the people of Amon was well defended. Israel took all these cities. Israel lived in all the cities of the Amorite, in Heshbon and all its surrounding towns. Heshbon was the city of Sikon, the king of the Amorite, who had fought against the former king of Moab and conquered all his land up to the Arnon. This is why the storytellers say, Come to Heshbon, let it be rebuilt, let Sikon's city be restored. For fire burst out of Heshbon, a flame from the city of Sikon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the lords of Arnon, high places. Woe to you, Moab. You are destroyed by the people of Kamash. He let his sons be fugitives and his daughters captives of Sikon, king of the Amorite. We shot them down. Heshbon is destroyed all the way to Debon. We even laid waste to Nofak, which extends as far as Mediba. Thus, Israel lived in the land of the Amorite. Moses sent men to reconnoiter Yatsar. They captured its towns and drove out the Amorai who were there. Then they turned and went up along the road to Bashan. And Og, the king of Bashan, marched out against them, he with all his people, to fight at Edari. Adonai said to Moses, Don't be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you with all his people and his land. You will treat him just as you did Sikon, king of the Amorai, who lived at Heshbon. So they struck him down with his sons and all his people until there was no one left alive. And then they took control of his land. Then the people of Israel traveled on and camped in the plains of Moab beyond the Jordan River opposite Jericho. And we have Judges 11, 1 through 11, 33, you'll find that on page 284. Now, Jephok, a brave soldier from Gilead, was the son of a prostitute. His father, Gilead, had other sons by his wife, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephok away and told him, You will not inherit from our father, because you are another woman's son. Then Jephak fled with his, from his brothers and lived in the territory of Tob, where he enlisted a gang of rowdies who would go out raiding with him. After a while, the people of the Ammon made war against Israel. When the army of Ammon attacked Israel, the leaders of Gilead went to fetch Yitzhak from the territory of Tob and said to him, Come and be our chief, so that we can fight the army of Ammon. Itzek answered the leaders of Gilead, Don't you hate me so much that you forced me out of your father's house? Why are you coming to me now when you're in trouble? And the leaders of Gilead repri- replied, 
Here is why we've come back to you now. If you lead us in war with the people of Ammon, you will be head over everyone living in Gilead. Yitzhak answered them, If you bring me back home to fight the army of Ammon, and Adonai defeats them for me, I will be your head. The leaders of Gilead said to Litzek, Adonai is witness that we promise to do what you have said. Then Yitzhak went with the leaders of Gilead, and the people made him head and chief over them. And Yitzhak repeated all those conditions at Mitzpah in the presence of Adonai. Yitzhak sent messages to the king of the people of Ammon to say, What's your problem with us? Why are you invading our territory? The king of Ammon answered the messengers of Ephraim, Because Israel took away my territory when they came up out of Egypt. They took everything from the Arnon to the Jabbok and the Jordan. Now restore it peacefully. Ephraim sent messengers against, again to the king of the people of Ammon with his, this response. Here's what Ephraim has to say. Israel captured neither the territory of Moab nor the territory of the people of Ammon. But when Israel came up from Egypt, walked through the desert to the Red Sea and arrived at Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers to the king of Eden to say, Please let us pass through your land. But the king of Eden wouldn't let them. He sent a similar message to the king of Moab, but neither would he. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Then they walked through the desert, around the territory of Edom and the territory of Moab, past the east border of the territory of Moab and pitched camp on the other side of the Arnon. But they did not cross the border into Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Israel sent messages to Sichon, king of the Amorai, and king of Heshbon with this message. Please, let us pass through your land and to our own place. But Sichon did not trust that Israel would only pass through his land, so he gathered all his people together, pitched camp at Jahatz, and fought against Israel. Adonai, the God of Israel, handed Sichon and all the people over to Israel, and they killed them. Thus Israel possessed all the territory of the Amorite, <coughs> who lived there. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> They took possession of all the territory of the Amorite from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. So now the Adonai, the God of Israel, has expelled the Amorite before his people, Israel. Do you think that you will expel us? You should just keep the territory your God Kamush has given you. While we, for our part, will hold on to whatever Adonai our God has given us of the lands that belonged to others before us. <coughs> really, are you better than Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever pick a quarrel with Israel or fight with us? Israel lived in Heshbon and its villages, in Aror, and its villages and in all the cities on the banks of the Arnon for 300 years. Why didn't you take them back during that time? 
No, I have done you no wrong, but you are doing me wrong to war against me. May Adonai, the judge, be judged today between the people of Israel and the people of Ammon. But the king of the people of Ammon paid no attention to the message Ephek sent him. Then the spirit of Adonai came upon Mitzah, and he passed through Gilad and Manash, and through Mitzpah of Gilad, and from there over to the people of Ammon. And Yitzhak made a vow to Adonai, If you will hand the people of Ammon over to me, then whatever comes out the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon will belong to Adonai. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. So Itzek crossed over to fight the people of Ammon, and Adonai handed them over to him. He killed them from Erar until you reach Minit. Twenty cities all the way to Abel Karaim. It was a message. So the people of Ammon were defeated before the people of Israel. It was a massacre. Oh, excuse me. It was a massacre. Now we have John 3, 10 through 21. Find that on page 13, 32. Yeshua answered him, You hold the office of teacher in Israel, and you don't know this? Yes, indeed, I tell you that what we speak about we know, and what we give evidence of we have seen. But you people don't accept our evidence. If you people don't believe me when I tell you about the things of the world, how will you believe me when I tell you about the things of heaven? No one has gone up into heaven. There is only the one who has come down from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only and unique Son, so that everyone who trusts in him may have eternal life, instead of being utterly destroyed. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but rather so that through him the world might be saved. Though those who trust in him are not judged, those who do not trust have been judged already, in that they have not trusted in the one who is God's only and unique Son. Now this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but people love the darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their actions were wicked. For everyone who does evil things hates the light and avoids it, so that his actions won't be exposed. But everyone who does what is true comes to the light, so that all may see that his actions are accomplished through God. And then we continue with John 19, 38 through 42.
John 19.38. That would be on page... 13.57. 13.57, correct. After this, Joseph of Ramadan, who was the Talmudin of Yeshua, but a secret one out of fear of the Judeans, asked Pilate if he could have Yeshua's body. And Pilate gave his consent. So Joseph came and took the body away. Also, Nicodemus, who had first, who at first had gone to see the Jew by night, came with some 70 pounds of spices, a mixture of myrrh and alloy. They took Yeshua's body and wrapped it up in linen sheets with the spices, in keeping with the Judean burial practice. In the vicinity of where he had been executed was a garden, and in the garden was a new tomb in which no one had ever been buried. So, because it was preparation day for the Judeans, and because the tomb was close by, that is where they buried Yeshua. And then we have Hebrews 9, 11 through 28. You find that on page 1503. Now every Cohen stands every day doing his service, offering over and over the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this one, after he had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, sat down at the right hand of God. From then on, to wait until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has brought to the goal for all time those who are being set apart for God and made holy. And the Rachel Kodesh, too, bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant which I will make with them after those days, says Adonai. I will put my Torah on their hearts and write it on their minds. And then he adds, And their sins and their wickedness I will remember no more. Now, where there is forgiveness for these, an offering for sins is no longer needed. So, brothers, we have confidence to use the way into the holiest place opened by the blood of Yeshua. He inaugurated it for us as a new and living way through the parakeet by means of his flesh, which also have a great koan over God's household. Therefore, let us approach the holiest place with a sincere heart and the full assurance that comes from trusting, with our hearts sprinkled clean from a bad conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us continue holding fast to the hope we acknowledge without wavering, for the one who made the promise is trustworthy. And let us keep paying attention to one another in order to spurn each other on and love and in love and to love and good deeds, not neglecting our own congregational meetings, as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other. And let us do this all the more 
as you see the day approaching. For if we deliberately continue to sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only the terrifying prospect of judgment, of raging fire that will consume the enemies. Someone who disregards the Torah of Moses is put to death without mercy on the word of two or three witnesses. Thank you, Father God, for opening our eyes this Shabbat. Let us see and let us trust and realize that your promises stand for us today. We pray that you will protect those that we interact with, that you will help them to understand why we do what we do in hopes that they too will recognize the joy that you've given us and the peace that passes all understanding to those who don't. In the name of Yeshua we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you.